series I've entitled Clarion Call, and the word clarion means clear. In other words, something that is a, a, a designated, you know what it is, a clarion call. And, and this is the reason why God led me to this series, because you think about how many people today want to change the truth. Now, I know this, that this world, that's what this world needs, is the truth. People need the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? make you free. So, you know, a lot of times people don't want us to tell them uh, the truth, but the reality is if you're a friend, you know, a friend tells someone the truth. So as you think about this, we're going to use as our verse tonight, John 17, 17, small verse, but I love the verse. The Bible says here, Jesus said these words, sanctify them through thy truth. And then he says these words, thy word is what? truth. So the Word of God. Let me ask you this question tonight. How much of the Word of God is truth? All of it. Every last bit of the Word of God is truth. Now, folks, you have to believe that because if there's one lie in the Bible, there, there could be two. See, God's Word is true and every man is a liar. And as you think about this tonight, I want you to understand that, that God has given us His truth and it's, it's a powerful weapon. And I remember when, when I was saved many years ago, that uh, uh, not too long, now again, it wasn't like the next day, the next week, the next month, but it wasn't a long period of time after I got saved, my pastor came to me. And my pastor said to me, he says, Dane, I, 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 I've been praying about this. And he says, the Lord just put you on my heart. And he said, uh, I, I, I really believe that God wants you to teach a Sunday school class. And I looked at him and started laughing. <laughs> I said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, I have no background when it comes to the Bible. I haven't been trained. Nobody's taught me the word of God. I said, uh, there's got to be some people in this church that are more qualified to teach than me. And I, I just remember that conversation. And, and he just kept telling me, listen, uh, God, God has made it clear to me that, that you are the one that needs to be teaching. And I remember how terrified I was. And I remember thinking to myself, he has no idea what he's asking or who he's asking. But I just know this, that when my pastor had that much confidence from God, even though I didn't understand it, I reluctantly said to him, okay, you know, if you think that I should be teaching and God's made it very clear to you, and so I prayed about it, he prayed about it, and, and, and I just remember that was the beginning of, of me teaching the Word of God, and, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, I did the best I could, I didn't have a lot of tools, I didn't have a lot of training, I really didn't at times know one book from the other, and certainly didn't know a lot of scripture, but, but my best was about the worst ever, I can tell you that. I mean, it, you know, everybody has to start somewhere, but I mean, I, I've always felt sorry for those lousy lessons that I taught in the early years, and I think to myself, here I am years later, I'm still teaching lousy lessons after all this time. So I appreciate you people being here tonight and humoring me and not leaving during, this, during the services. But, you know, I, I think about this as, as my pastor asked me about that, the only confidence that I had, and by the way, the only confidence that I still have is not in me and not in what I can do. The only confidence when I stand in that sacred desk 
where I stand before people is the book that I open. That's the only confidence that I have is in God's Word. Folks, look, I think that oftentimes when I go to people's houses and I'm at their door, I went, I went and talked to a, a man last week that had visited our church, and he asked me a lot of questions. And, and here's what happens, and some of you probably been through this. You've been to other churches, uh, you've been in other ministries and things like that. We, we all have been through situations, and, and a lot of times our questions stem from things that have happened to us in the past, and I get that. I remember when I came here, a lot of the questions in other churches that I had visited too, they asked me questions, and it was amazing whenever I was candidating for uh, becoming a pastor of, of whatever church that the Lord would lead me to, that a lot of the churches, they, they didn't ask me doctrinal questions. It was always something in the church, and they were trying to make sure that it wasn't going to happen again. And many times I would share things like on this last Saturday, I shared a lot of things with this man who asked me about various types of religious groups of people and what does our church believe about this and that. And, and I told him, I said, look, I can stay at your house all day and I can share all these things. And I don't, honestly, I don't know if I'm going to say the right thing or the wrong thing. But I can tell you this, that the only thing that's going to help people is the word of God. Because the Bible, the Word of God, changes lives. And, and, and that's what I've tried to do in my life, is I've tried to stay with the truth. Now, I, I, you know, I might use a certain, certain style when I teach or I preach, but ultimately, I want it to be founded upon the Word of God. That's why Jesus said, sanctify them with thy truth. Thy Word is truth. See, God doesn't bless my illustrations and my jokes. God blesses his word. That's what he's promised. Some of you, you get, you get so aggravated because you have conversations with family members, and your family members, they want to sit around and argue with you. And I'm not going to ask you to respond to this, but let me just ask you one simple question. How much scripture do you share with them? Because it's not about being a Baptist or a Catholic or a Presbyterian. It's not about you've done this or that or whatever. It's what does thus saith the Lord. Because God's word is powerful. God's word changes lives. Do you believe that everything that you need in life, listen to this, everything you need in life is found in the Bible? Because I'm going to tell you something, it is. People have asked me, Pastor, how do I raise my family? How do, I, how, do I, how do I manage my finances? How can I be a better husband? How can I train my children? It's in the Bible. God's given us everything we need for life. But you know what we do? We get on the computer and we Google now, again, I, I've Googled many things. But understand that as a Christian, the first thing we should do is open up the pages of the Word of God. Thy Word is truth. It, look what it says in Psalm 19. When you think about God giving us everything we need, I love these words here in, in Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is what? Perfect. Perfect. Now, look at these words. 
converting the soul, the testimony, which is another synonymous word for the word of God, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Here's another word, the statutes of the Lord. That's, that's talking about the word of God. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Here's another word, the commandment of the Lord. That's the word of God. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, and it says here, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord, where are they found? In the word of God. And the Bible says they are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they. What is the word they referring to? The word of God. Now look at it. More to be desired are they, the words of God, than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also, the words of God are, than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, by the words of God, is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them, keeping the word of God, there is great what? Great reward. So look, folks, do you see how important it is to understand the rich treasure you hold in your hand, the word of God? You see, it's the word of God, the truth of the word of God that's going to keep us on track. Uh, one of the things that, that I, I, I never really thought I would have been a part of something like this, but when God led me to California and led me to become a part of a Bible college setting, and I, it was one of the joys of my life to, to teach young men and young ladies, help them prepare for the ministry. I never saw myself in that kind of role. And, uh, and I remember that one of the instructors, uh, one, of my, one of my colleagues came to me and he says, hey, listen, he said, uh, there's, I don't know if anybody's talked to you yet, but we have something we call oral examination. And I said, okay, so I understand the words. I said, what do we do? And he says, well, <clears throat> every young man that goes through this Bible college is told when they start Bible college that at the end of their four years, they have to sit down across the desk from two instructors and they, they, need to, they can be asked any question about the Bible for two hours. And they have to answer those questions. Now, they have no idea what questions are going to be asked. Chris is standing out there smiling because he's been through it. <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, I, 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 looked at, I looked at this guy and I says, are you, are you serious? I go, they do this? And he goes, yeah. And he says, you're going to help us. He says, you're going to be one of the instructors. So I, I was paired up with another instructor and that's what we did. For 12 years, every semester, I probably had 10 to 15 young men that me and another instructor would sit across the, and we would ask them questions. And I'm going to tell you something. I was amazed how those young men could answer those questions. And I remember one young man, he came through and uh, we would ask him and, and students would always ask us, they'd, they would tell us, you know, hey, we've got orals coming up. And they would ask us, how do, how do you pass? Now, this is the easy answer. Well, you need to know the Bible. <laughs> but they would kind of look at it, and, and so a lot of times I would just tell them, I'd say, look, you just need to, you need to think before you open your mouth and always begin with the Bible. And so what this young man that came in, <clears throat> every time we asked him a question, here's what he would start with. Well, I think this. I believe this. 
And so the guy that I was doing orals with, he finally stopped him and he says, son, can I give you some advice? He says, you're getting ready to go out in ministry. And by the way, we, we, we love these guys. We're not trying to trip them up. We want them to get out into ministry. But he says, can I give you some advice? And I'm going to give you the advice that he gave to this young man. Is that okay? Here's the advice. People don't want to know what you think. And they don't want to know what you believe. They want to know what God's word says. So here's what he told that young man. He says, when you answer someone, and by the way, we were doing an oral examinations. When they get out of Bible college, guess what? They're going to be asked questions on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, the rest of their life. So we're, we're just preparing them is what we were doing. And, and he says to him, he says, look, here's what you need to do is you need to understand that when you go to give someone an answer, you need to start with these words, the Bible says. And that's a good lesson for all of us. Because folks, if I cannot give them a Bible answer, then what I need to do is say, you know what? That's a great question. Can I study the word of God and come back and give you an answer from God's word? And oftentimes that's what we do is we try to give people what we think and people don't care about what we think, only what the Bible says. Look what Isaiah says, Isaiah 8.20, to the law and to the testimony, two words synonymous about the word of God, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. You know what that means? They don't have a clue what the Bible is saying. So we need to make sure that we are looking at the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God. Why? Because in our lives, you know what's going to keep us on track? The truth. We need the Word of God. So let's look at a couple things tonight from the testimony God has given to us as we study it and we try to proclaim it to this world. So notice number one, let's talk about the penning, P-E-N-N-I-N-G. Some of you are holding one of these in your hand tonight and you're writing on that piece of paper, you know what you're doing? You're penning things on your piece of paper. You're writing things down. So when we think about God's word, the truth of the word of God, notice first of all, we, we need to understand the divine author was God. The divine author was God. See, the Bible isn't a collection of stories about man. It's not the advice for man, for, for man's life. The Bible is God's book. It's a holy book of a holy God, and we need to understand that. Look what Peter says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So when you think about the Word of God, what is, it, what is Peter saying there in other places? Paul writing in 2 Timothy, he said, they're saying that God breathed His Word into the hearts of human authors to be written and then, of course, to be preserved for all of eternity. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now think about that. How much Scripture? All of it. That means Every word, listen to this, every word is a word from God. You hold God's words in your hand tonight. And that's where our confidence comes from. Look, we, we don't like it. I, I, well, I don't. Do you like it when you say something 
and somebody twists your words? Doesn't that kind of get to you? You're like, I didn't say that. Now we could do like the president and say, fake news, fake news, you know. But the reality is, is many times we say things and people take what we said and they totally pervert it or twist it into something that, that we never said, and, and they'll misquote us and other things like that. But listen, who wrote the Bible? God did, right? So get this now. God wrote the Bible, and God put a copyright on its contents. It's God's words. So when you think about the author, the divine author was God. And God wrote it, put a, put a copyright on its contents. Look at Proverbs 30, and there's so many verses that, that are just like this one verse in Proverbs 30. Thou, thou, notice here, add thou not unto his words, lest he, God, reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Did you get what the Bible says? You know, you think about how many different versions of the Bible there are out there today. And people say, well, listen, you need this version of the Bible because it's easier to understand. No, look, folks, there can only be one right Bible. I'm just telling you tonight. People people tell me all the time, Pastor, you should study this version. No, I want to study the one that has not been tampered with. I want to study the one that is all truth, that every word in it is a word from God. People say, well, listen, what about this one? Listen, the Bible I have is accurate. There's nothing wrong with it. You can't improve on perfection. And people want to constantly mess with the Word of God. When I look at the Word of God, here's what I see. According to Proverbs 30, verse 6, God is commanding us not to add to His Word nor to take away from it. But yet, what do people do? They want to change the Word of God. Listen, this is how much I believe this. If you take in God's Word where it says God, and you take out the name God, which you should never do, and you put a personal pronoun, he, in place of it, you have just tampered with the Word of God. You have just changed the Word of God. As a matter of fact, you have diminished the Word of God. And when I see people do this, they don't understand that the divine author was God. Now, again, God could have chose any way that he wanted to, but notice letter B, that the human authors were guided. See, the divine author was God, but God allowed humans to be... Now, again, th this was God's method. The Bible tells us, Peter wrote these words, they were moved by the Holy Ghost. These holy men of God, they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And again, Here's what he says, all scripture, listen to it, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So where did they get those words that they wrote? From God. They were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. They were not writing, you know, if you, have you ever noticed when I'm standing there and I'm trying to preach or teach through something, many times God, God will have me to say words like this, these are not Paul's words. Have you heard me say that from time to time? Because sometimes we, we get to study and we're like, this is the epistle of Paul. No, this is God's word. God just allowed Paul to be the human author 
that was guided to write that down. See, God reminds us in the scriptures how this process that we call inspiration, how it took place. Look at what Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Here's, here's one good example of how this happened, the process. Jeremiah 36, 2. He, he tells Jeremiah, take thee a roll of a book. <laughs> a roll of a book. Okay, we, we would call that a scroll. Okay, so a roll of a book and write therein how many of the words? All the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah and against all the nations from the day I spake unto thee from the days of Josiah even to this day. So he tells Jeremiah, I want you to take something, find something to write on, and I want you to pick up the pen, and I want you to write not your words, my words, and I don't want you to write some of them, I want you to write every word I give to you. So you look at the Bible that you have tonight, listen, God could have gave us so much more, but what he gave to us, every last bit of it is his. It's all God's words. The, the Bible says the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel. God's, God gave his word not only to Jeremiah, but to Ezekiel and many others. John the Revelator, listen to what he says in the book of Revelation. I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, write. John, pick up the pen, buddy. Write it down. John's like, whoa. I mean, I have a hard time reading the book of Revelation much less seeing the book of Revelation like John did. I'd have been like, and God says, John, write it down. God used human instruments. So here's the question. Why, if we understand this, that the divine author was God, and that human authors were guided, why do we doubt that God could guide human authors to pen his exact words. Why do we doubt that? I, people tell me all the time, that's man's book. Really? Did you have faith to believe that God could save you? If God can save you and you have faith to believe God can save you, can't you have faith to believe that every word in that book is God's word? You see, certainly we can. What do we, what we do with the scriptures as we look at it, as you look at the Bible today and in your life, what you do with the scriptures today will determine where you're standing a generation from now. Let me say that again, because I don't know if you got that. But what you do with the Bible, how you believe it, how do you live it, today is going to determine where you will be a generation from now. That's why so many today are where they are, because the Bible is not the Word of God to them. See, God is the divine author, and He used human instrumentality, and we need to build our lives on the rock of God's truth. And look, a wise man, according to the Word of God, will build his house on the Word that was penned by God. So we see the penning of the Word. But notice, secondly, the proclamation of the Word. Now, when you think about it, look, God has given his word. Well, what does he want us to do? He wants us to give it out. So when you think about the truth, what good is the truth if you keep it to yourself? So what do we need to do? Proclaim it. Share it everywhere we go. Notice, first of all, it needs to be proclaimed in the ministry. Proclaimed in the ministry. 
Listen, in, in educational realms, you know what is a bad thing? It's something called plagiarism. That's a no-no. <laughs> I remember one time I was, when I was uh, a school, Christian school uh, administrator in Maryland, and I had this kid that actually tried to turn in the original piece of paper that was the assignment that the teacher gave to the class, and he, he literally put his name on it and turned it in like it was his work. And so the teacher came, came down to the office, and she said, hey, I want to show you this. She showed it to me, and so I said, send him down. His name was Merle. And so Merle came down to the office, and I said, I said hey, Merle. I said, do, do you know that I, I'm a magician? And he goes, really? He was 12th grade. He says, really? And I said, yeah, you want to see a trick? And he goes, yeah. Like, I just called this senior down to my office to show him a magic trick in the middle of the day. I don't think Merle was super bright, but he came down to my office, and, I, and so I said, you want to see it? And he goes, yeah. And so I go, watch this. And I had a copy of the original that the teacher had given out. And I had his assignment that had his name on it. I, and I walked him over to the window, we had these huge windows that went right out to the Chesapeake Bay. And I said, I, said, I said, now watch this, are you ready? I said, it's a sleight of hand, you gotta be watching. It's very quick. And he goes, okay. And so I had him in my hands, he didn't even notice. So I, I picked up one piece of paper and I held it up to the windows, the light outside. And as soon as I held it up, I saw the look on his face. And then I took his and I slipped it right behind it and I held them together. And I go, look at that. Did you see that? And he kind of looked at me, and I pulled the one away, and I go, you didn't see it, did you? I go, watch. Here it is. I slipped it up behind it, and I held them together. I go, isn't that amazing? I said, it's the same, same piece of paper. I said, you know the only difference? One has your name on it. Now, folks, listen, when you think about what we're talking about here tonight, God's not, listen, God's not talking about plagiarizing his word. See, in, a, in, in, a, in education, that's a bad thing. But you know what? Listen to me. God demands that we plagiarize his word. He's given it to us. What does he want us to do with it? Give it out everywhere we go. We have a saying among preachers, there's nothing new under the sun. Now, we get that from the Bible. But, you know, listen, you stand to preach the Word of God, don't act like you've come up with something that nobody else has ever come up with. Because if it's in the Bible, it's been preached on, it's been talked about. God actually wants us to plagiarize His Word. He doesn't want us to preach about it. God doesn't want us to preach around it. God wants us to preach it. What did Paul tell Timothy? Preach the Word. He didn't say preach about the Word. He said preach the Word. What do people need? They need the truth. Look at Acts 5.20. Look, the first century Christians, they got it. The Bible says here, go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people, look at this phrase, all the words of this life. What life is he talking about? Anybody know? The life of Jesus. Christianity, right? People of the way, just like us today. We're Bible Christians. And he says, look, I want you to go, don't just go, 
He says, go and stand. Don't just go there and stand. He says, I want you to go, I want you to stand, and I want you to proclaim, speak all the words of this life. He says, I want you to tell all the people. Why does God want us to do that? Just like in the first century, God has promised to bless his word. As we give it out, God blesses it. Look what Isaiah said in Isaiah 55. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, he says, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word. Notice how the analogy there, he's talking about what water does and what snow does and how it comes from heaven and the fruit of it, that it brings forth buds and, it, and, and there's, there's things that happen because of it. He says, so just like that, my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Hey, listen, folks. That means that when God's word goes out, when it comes back, it comes back having done some good in people's lives. I love the fact that, listen, you know, can you imagine, and we're way ahead of rain in August already. I think they said the other day, yesterday, that, that we're already, we already have half of the total amount of rain for the month of August, and today's August 7th. But can I tell you, without all this rain, you know that Florida, South Florida, would not be green. It'd be as brown as California when I left it. But I'm going to tell you something. What does God's Word do? It brings forth things in our lives. And so that's why we proclaim it. Why? Because people are, people are living in a dry and barren land. And God's word is the water that they need to bring life, to sprout things in their life, to help them to understand how God wants them to live. And so as we think about this, look, we need to be proclaiming the word of God. Aren't you glad that somebody communicated God's word to you? Aren't you glad somebody shared the truth with you? So look, we need to be proclaiming God's word in the ministry. But look at this, letter B, don't just proclaim it. But practice it. Now, the word that I used here, because I needed a word that started with an M, is the word melu. I don't know if you know what a melu is. Here's what it means. In your life. Your lifestyle. God says, you need to be practicing God's word day after day after day after day. In your day-to-day environment. Practicing God's word. I, honestly, I think it's more of a challenge to practice God's word than it is to proclaim it. You know, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to live it day after day after day, right? Anybody else struggle with that from time to time? I know I do. It's hard sometimes on a daily basis to live out the Word of God. But no one cares what we preach if we're not practicing it. That's why you hear people say, you need to learn to practice what you preach. Why do they have such a problem with the Pharisees? Because they were binding heavy burdens upon people, but with their fingers, they wouldn't lift one of those things that they were telling other people that they had to do. And you know what God says? Look, that's why when, when Saturday rolls around, hey, guess what your pastor does? He goes and knocks doors. Does he go and knock doors because he's a pastor? No, he goes and knocks doors because he's a Christian and because he's commanded by God to be a witness. 
I don't sit in my office and tell people to go. Now, Brother Gilbert thinks I sit in there with my feet up on my desk all the time. But I, honestly, I want to be a part of what God's doing. Folks, listen, as we think about the Word of God, what good is the truth if we're not giving it out and if we're not practicing it in our lives? God wants us to, to weave the Word of God into our, look, how about even into our families? Now, a lot of times we see these verses. Look at Deuteronomy 6. Maybe you're well aware of this passage. I love it. This is a great passage for your home. He says here, these words, in other words, the words of God, which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Sounds to me like every aspect of your family, family life, your home life, look, you should be talking about the God, talking about the Word of God. There ought to be a constant reminder about the truth in your home. Look, our walk must match our talk, our words. And what should our words be? They should be God's words. Look, our lives, what we say should reflect. We must uh, not just know the word of God, but we must live the word of God. Paul didn't, look, he was very careful in his life as he got saved and he began to grow. Paul was very careful because he didn't want to destroy the truth that he was preaching the way that he lived his life. In other words, he was conscious about the fact that if I live my life a certain way that's contrary to what I'm preaching, it's going to cause other people to stumble and fall. Look at this example here, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He writes, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Sounds to me like he's, he's trying to practice what he preaches. And here's what he goes on to say, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, that I myself should be a castaway. So he was trying to practice what he was preaching. And we're not going to affect this world for Christ unless we are proclaiming the Word of God and we're practicing the Word of God. Everybody with me tonight? Okay. So look, when we think of the Word of God, the first thing we need to understand is that it's God's Word. The divine author was God. He used human instruments to record the Word of God. And then what are we to do? Proclaim it every day in our lives, the ministry God's given to us. And in our lifestyle, we are to be living out, we are to be living the Word of God every day. And so if we do this, notice thirdly, the promise of the Word, because a couple great things we see here is, first of all, that God's Word is true, or it's truth. So again, why do we question God if it's truth? Look at 1 Kings 8, 56. Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. I'm not going to ask you to respond, but I know in my own life there's been times where I've made promises and I haven't kept them. And the Bible says that not one word of God has ever failed. God is true to his word. Look at Psalm 111, verse 7. The works of his hands are verity and judgment 
all his commandments are sure. The Bible says, I am the Lord, and the word that I speak shall come to pass. Hey, listen, you can find this in the Bible, that God says it is impossible for him to lie. That's what the Bible says. God's word is true. And guess what? The word of God will be the final authority and the final judge in our lives. You say, how is that possible? Because if you read John chapter 1, Jesus is the word. And he will be our final judge. See, God's word is true. But notice letter B, God's word is tested. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. But think about this. God's word, is it, it already has stood every test. Remember what Adolf Hitler tried to do historically? Tried to burn all the Bibles, did he not? And yet you're holding a copy. I have a copy of it in my hands tonight. See, the word of God is tested. Psalm 12, look at these wonderful verses. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, talking about the words of God, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them, the words of God, from this generation for how long? Forever. You know what that means? There's always going to be God's word. Forever. He says, I'm going to preserve it forever. Look at Psalm 18, verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all them that trust in him. Uh, the word buckler means shield. He's a protector for us. God, look, if God tested, and he did, if God tested his word before he gave it to us, then why are we constantly trying to tweak it and twist it and get it to somehow justify the life that we're trying to live that is not pleasing to God? Folks, when I look at it, again, you cannot improve on perfection. God gave his word to us. People all the time want to, want to change the word of God. And they, they, again, they, they want something that, that maybe man has come up with. But listen, what we need to understand is as we read it, we don't need an easier Bible to read. We just need the Holy Spirit of God to help us to understand what we are reading. That's why it's important that, that listen, we don't, we don't change the word of God. We just need to study it to show ourselves approved unto God. See, God's word is true. God's word is tested. But then notice, uh, letter C, God's word is timeless. And man's life, if you think about your life and mine, our lives are frail. Uh, our lives are, are fleeting, but God's word will never fail. Look what Isaiah said. The voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? Notice, what, here's what he should cry or proclaim. All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand for how long? Forever. See, Jesus stated in Mark 13, 31, listen, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Psalm 119, verse 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Years ago, somebody wrote these words to a hymn, and it goes like this, the Bible stands, though the hills may tumble, it will firmly stand, though the earth may crumble. See, the Bible stands, and you and I, we may, out, we may outlive our, 
our spouse or maybe someone in our family. But I'll tell you one thing, you'll never outlive the Word of God because God's Word is timeless. You see Psalm 119, look at verse 152, concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them, here it is again, forever. See, God's word is true. It's tested. God's word is timeless. Look at letter D. God's word is triumphant. You know what that means? God's word changes hearts. It changes lives. Look what Jeremiah says, a couple verses here. Jeremiah 5, verse 14. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, because ye speak this word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth. What's that next word? Fire. God says, I'm going to make my words that are in your mouth fire, and I'm going to make the people what? Wood. Now, we all know what happens when fire mixes with wood, right? Guess what God's word is? It's a fire, and it will consume us. Notice here, it shall devour them. God says, look, my word is going to change your life. Look at Jeremiah says in, uh, over chapter 23. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream, and he that hath my word, shall let him speak my word faithfully. Now notice this. What is the chaff to the wheat, saith the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord? Now watch this one. And like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. You know what happened to me years ago? I had a cold, dead, stony heart. And God took his word, the hammer, and began to pound away at my heart. And I'm going to tell you, you know what happened? Is the power of the word of God, it demolished my old stony heart. And God got through to me, just like he says, my word is a fire. He says, my word is a hammer. This world that we live in, just like I was, this world is a hard place. People are hard people, but there's a book that can break them in pieces, and that's the Word of God. See, the Bible can uncover the needs in people's hearts, and not only uncover those needs, but the Bible can meet those needs. I love Hebrews chapter 4, and I, I quoted part of this earlier, for the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the what? The heart. Remember what I told you when we began tonight. Oftentimes, we sit around and we have all these conversations with people, and I ask you this question, how much Bible are you sharing with them? Why is it important we share Bible, we share truth with them? Because listen, you can't get into their thoughts and into their hearts and, and, and into their soul and their spirit, but the Word of God can. It can search the innermost parts. Look, the truth of God's word is what's going to keep you on track in your life. The truth is powerful. It brings life, according to Hebrews 4.12. And listen, the truth has been here how long? Since the beginning. And it still exists today. And guess what? It's going to exist forever. God's word is truth. And what we need to do is share it with everyone. Folks, I don't know if you realize how important it is to understand the power of the Word of God. Next week, that's what we're going to talk about is 
the powerful weapon that God has given to us. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you again for your word. And as we saw tonight, just a taste from the Bible, how important it is that we have every word. And and our confidence, although it may seem like that we may think that we are something or someone, the truth is we are nothing without you. And we understand that we can't make a difference in people's lives, but we know that you can use your word and help us to be a faithful witness to them. Now again, thank you for those that have been here tonight. May, May you bless your word as you said that it would not return void and use it in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord bless.